My name is Chris. Uh, I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I'm excited uh, to be with you as we are starting uh, this new series called The Bright Side. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but this is maybe a bit of a newsflash. 2020 is probably going to go down as the craziest year in history, right? It's been absolutely bananas. And uh, it's like, I don't know about you, but every time I turn on the news or, or open up uh, the newspaper, believe it or not, I still read the newspaper. It might be digitally, but all we see is negative news, isn't it? I mean, like the coronavirus numbers every day, we see just this long list of numbers. We see death. We see job loss. We see, uh, you know, rioting and political, you know, opinions and all of these things. And it's so easy to get caught up in all of the negative things uh, that are going on in the world. And it's really difficult to see things on the bright side. Uh, I don't know where you stand on wearing masks. Um, I'm a mask guy. I'm pro-mask. I, I like it. My wife, she's anti-mask. So wherever you kind of land on that spectrum, uh, we're not going to hate you. Wherever, you. wherever you land is where you land. But let's just talk about this for a moment. When lunchtime comes around, you're at work, you want to go get lunch, right? I, I like Chipotle. Anybody like Chipotle? Yeah, good. We're a couple, couple fans, just the two of us. I go there a lot. Uh, so you go there, and just the other day, uh, you know, I parked my car. It's in Riverdale, so it's kind of busy. And so I parked my car, and I, I get out of the car, and I'm walking into Chipotle, and you see this sign on the window, don't you? Just this little white sign, and you're like, what is that? And you go there, and you look there, and then all of a sudden you see it says, you can't enter without wearing a mask. So, I mean, have you been there? You're eating in a restaurant, and you see someone see that sign, and they just stop, and they go like this, right? And they turn around, and they walk, and they say a few bad words as they go to their car, right? We know how it is. You get to your car, you come back, you put your mask on, and you open up the door, and no one's wearing their mask. Why? Because you can't wear your mask when you're eating your food, right? It's like this crazy thing that's going on. And every time that happens to me, I'm like, this sucks, right? This is so stupid. This is so negative. And it's so easy for us just to get caught up uh, in this chaotic, anxiety, anger-filled mentality. And, you know, I don't believe that that's healthy. In fact, I don't believe that that is at all what God wants for his people. And so, you know, what we're trying to do is, in this series, we're trying to, to highlight how we can live life on the bright side. Instead of having the tendency to uh, go to the negative or be uh, in the negative, in the midst of a negative world, how can we be positive? We can learn to see things on the bright side. You know, I believe with all of my heart that God created us. He created heaven and earth. He created us so that we could experience the wonderful things of heaven and of earth. And, you know, unfortunately, because of sin, because we decided to, to kind of go our own way, uh, because of that, life isn't going to be a picnic. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be obstacles. But what we can be positive and remember is that God is in complete control. Even in the midst of difficult and negative situations, we have a God in heaven who is in complete control. And if we can begin to trust and believe and to lean into that truth, we can begin to see life on the bright side. Uh, today we're going to be hanging out in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there or your phones uh, to the Bible app. We're going to be taking a look at Jesus' most famous teaching, his most famous sermon, if you will. And what we're going to see is that Jesus teaches us how we can see life on the bright side, how we can live life and truly be 
blessed. Now, I believe that we as followers of Jesus Christ should be the happiest people in the world, even in the midst of a negative situation, and I believe that Jesus would teach the same thing. And so we're going to dig into today three things that we can consider if you're following along with the notes, three things that, that we can think of when viewing life on the bright side. And the first is this, is that the key to happiness is to understand and to submit to the reality of God's kingdom. You know, it's, I think in today's day, it's getting harder and harder for us to, to really know what's true and what's not, right? We live in this world of, of fake news. <laughs> like, we don't know what's right. We don't know what to do, but we have this wild world of the internet, and everyone has their own opinion. Uh, my wife, Brianne, she, she has a job it's, um, with a social media evaluation company, and can you imagine being on Facebook for the majority of your job? She hates it, as you can imagine, but her job, her number one job is to find out what news is fake news and what news is real. And so she literally spends her day going through and finding out what is right, you know, I think what happens is, is oftentimes we get stuck in this cycle of trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. And, and all of the things that when we're trying to find out those things, we have a tendency to get stuck in the negativity. And it leads to a lot of, you know, anxious thoughts and a lot of misunderstanding and different ideals. But did you know that uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're in this room and, and you put your faith in Jesus, and even if you have not, God gives us the ideal of a positive life in his word. God gives us a reality of a kingdom outside of earth, something that is happening outside of this earth that is actually the right way. And there's a way in heaven that's much different than what we experience. And I think we should be encouraged because we're going to see that God's ways are always better than our ways. How many times have you tried to do something on your own and you failed miserably, right? I mean, typically that's what happens often when we go our own way instead of going God's way. You know, I think Jesus, he really talks about this specifically in his sermon in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to kind of paraphrase a little bit. Uh, but this is when he's talking about uh, the Beatitudes or the blessings of God. And it says this, that God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. He says that God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Now, I don't know about you, but this doesn't really sound like living on the bright side, does it? Right? But he also goes on to say, if you're reading along, he says, Blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for doing right, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful and the pure in heart, for they will see God. And it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And you know, I think in these verses we see the reality and the values of God's kingdom. And when we think of those things, it kind of is a little bit different than what we've experienced, right? Or what many of us would say are what we think are the ways that we should live in this world. And so really what's happening is that God's kingdoms and his values are, are the key. It's important, it's vital to learning how to live life on the bright side. But you see, 
there's a catch. And this is what I love about God. This is what I love about Jesus. This is what I love about his word. There's always this uh, kind of a different spin. It's a paradox. It's, it's something different, right? And, and what we see, the reality of heaven isn't what many of us would expect, nor is it anything uh, that we would really want it to be. I mean, to, mo- to most of us, when we look at these things at face value, we think, well, this is crazy, Right? These, these things are crazy. Blessed are those who are poor. Like, I don't know about you, but I'd rather do life rich. Amen? Can I get an amen? Like, I'm poor. I know what it feels like to be poor. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, there, there's more poor than me. You get what I'm saying. But, Jesus, blessed are those who are poor. What are you talking about? I'd rather do things with plenty. And I think what he's saying is, is that when we don't have much in this world, guess what happens? We begin to depend on God more. Right? He goes on to say, blessed are those who are humble. I mean, pride is the biggest thing. It's what, what kind of fuels me. I, I want to be right. I want this to be about me. And what Jesus is saying, well, he knows that pride actually comes before the fall. You know, an opposition, like you're telling me that opposition is a source of blessing or being persecuted is a source of blessing? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Like, you want me to submit to being persecuted or being made fun of or, or whatever it might be in my life? That's just crazy. But this is the way to be blessed? And so, so you read these things and you think, God, this is what you want me to do to experience blessing and life on the bright side? Well, I can say, and I think Jesus would say with an emphatic yes, this is exactly how he wants us to live because it's in his word. And what we read in God's word is true. Listen, Jesus, Jesus came to the earth to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. He came to bring the, the norms and the ideals of God's kingdom to the earth. And, and this isn't anything new. In fact, this was prophesied all the way in Isaiah chapter 61. You can read along, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You see, what Jesus is doing is he's teaching on what was prophesied about. Because it's true. And he's saying, look, if you follow these ideals and you follow these norms, when you do this, you will experience the good news. What will come is comfort. What will come is freedom and favor. And that's the positive message. You might not be sold because you might be in a negative experience and you're thinking, well, I'm still in persecution and difficulty and this doesn't feel good. Like, I don't want to live this way. God, can you step in and do something? Well, so the question is, well, how do I take that scripture? How do I take what Jesus is teaching and apply it and translate it to my life? How do I understand what he's talking about in blessing? And then how do I apply that to my life? Even when people are divided and, and you know, the circumstances that we're going through are fearful and we have a lot of anxiety and when negativity abounds, how can we see life on the bright side? And I believe that the key is to submit and to trust in God. You see, oftentimes I think what's ha- what happens is, is when negativity comes our way or a difficult situation or a circumstance, we try to take control of that situation. And when we try to take control of that situation, it consumes us. And our mind is wrapped up by the situation. And we go all to the, well, if you're anything like me, you go to the negative. Well, God, what about this? What if this happens? Well, what if I say this and, and then this? What about my job? What about this? You fill in the blank. And you see, that is 
exactly what Satan, the enemy, wants us to do. Because what happens is, is he takes control of our mind. And the Bible says that that is his playing field. That's his battlefield. And when our minds are consumed by the enemy and by his thoughts and his ways, we're further and further away from God and from his kingdom and from his values. And so it's our responsibility to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ and to say, God, you are in control. I submit to and trust in your kingdom. In the midst of this persecution, in the midst of this difficulty, what are you trying to teach me? How can I become closer to you, God? We read this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Jesus said, this is how you do this. He says, pray this way. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? You've heard of the Lord's Prayer. So the prayer is, God, may your kingdom come. God, your will be done. My daughter, Brecken, and I, we, every night before bed, we say the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, and she's kind of memorized it, and so she'll say it, and then we'll pray together. And I remember early on when we used to say this prayer together, like the first couple years that she was learning it, she would always say, God, you know, it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But she would always say, God, my kingdom come, God, my will be done. And I'd always have to say, well, babe, you know, that's, no, that's not the prayer. It's actually, God, your kingdom come, God, your will be done. But, but you know, I think a lot of us live this way. I really do. God, my kingdom come, God, what I'm doing, what I'm holding on to, God, my will be done. What am I trying to do to make this what I want it to be? Instead of saying, God, all of this is yours. Everything that you're allowing is for you to use to grow me because, God, you're in control. You know, we read in Romans 8, 28, it says that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so when we, say, when we read that, we have to trust that when God says all things, it even means the negative things. And we, Would we submit and say, God, this is your kingdom. Would your ideals and your ways be real to me here on earth as they are in heaven. You know, I, I, listen, I, I know that this is very hard to do. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the most difficult things to do. It's, it's hard to submit to God in the midst of difficult situations. It's hard to trust that God is in control when chaos is abounding. I mean, it's really, really difficult. But the truth is, is the more that we do that, the more we begin to see the faithfulness of God. And as he continues to prove himself faithful, our natural instinct and response is to go to trust instead of doing it on our own. So here's the, that's, I believe that's kind of the underlying starting point, is to believe that God, there's something bigger, there's something greater, and his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And if we trust in and submit to him, God will do something in our lives. And so the next couple points, we're going to look at how that kind of practically plays out. Uh, so that leads us to our next point, because I think we have responsibilities. And the first one is this, is that our job as followers of Christ, is to witness to the world by living out God's kingdom from the heart. You know, here's what I mean by this. I think it's really easy when a a difficult situation comes along or even, let's say, the coronavirus or the pandemic or whatever it might be, you fill in the blank on, on the difficulty that maybe you've experienced. I think it's really easy to isolate I think it's easy to say, I'm going to step back, I'm going to, I'm going to internalize, I'm going to compartmentalize, you know, I'm not going to take my kids out anywhere, I'm not going to go out anywhere, I'm not going to do any of these things. None of this really applies to you because you're here at church today, God bless you all, right? But, but you know, we, we, we have this tendency to, to compartmentalize and to step back and to isolate and we begin to think like, run for the hills, 
You know, and it's, it's really easy to, to get on social media and see the things that are, people are posting and to get angry and be like, no, that's not how it is. And so I'm going to just throw my thought in there. And the next thing you know, you got like a hundred different posts. Have you ever read through things like that? Like, I feel so bad for people that get engaged in that. It's like, what are you doing? You know? You know, and am I going to be the justice, the end all, be all for everybody? Is my opinion going to matter? Because listen, it's all about me, right? Or, or whatever it might be. But here's the truth. That is not what God wants for his people. And again, if we're looking at this paradox of the way that Jesus wants his people to live, we have to, to think about it in a different way. And Jesus said this in Matthew 5, continuing on in his sermon, he says that you are the light of the world. Listen to this. Christian, please listen to this. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I mean, it's like this picture of, of this big city up on the hill with its lights illuminated that's vibrant, and everyone looks like that. I mean, have you ever flown when you're flying at night and you come over into some major cities and you see the big light and your eyes are just drawn, you have attention to that? Well, well Jesus is saying, listen, that your lives as Christ followers are like that. It's a light that people see. People are looking and are, they're seeing and they're watching what you do. And so Jesus is saying the way that you should live your life is to let your good deeds shine so that other people can see. Not isolate, not judge, not get in the Facebook bash. None of those things. He's saying to live different, live different as salt and light to the earth so that people would be drawn to me through you. You see, God has a plan for us. God has a plan that we would point people to him. You know, I, I have full transparency. I have a real tendency to be extremely negative. Just ask my wife. <laughs> Naturally, my natural tendency in the midst of every situation is to go straight to the negative. And it's all the list of what's possibly going to happen. And that's not a fun place to be. And because I'm married up, amen, guys, all guys in here should say we married up. Can I get an amen? And if guys aren't going to say it, women should say it for us because the Bible says that when, when man finds a wife, he finds a real good thing, right? So I married up, and so my wife, she will tell me what I need to hear versus what I want to hear. And I hope that you have people in your life that will do that to you, that will sharpen you. But, but she's always telling me what I need to hear versus what I want to hear. And she'll say, hey, honey, listen, the kids, kids are listening, <laughs> That's kind of a, a cue, right? Our, our kids are listening. Listen, if you can't say anything positive, don't say anything at all, right? Parents, you've said that to your kids. Or, you know, WWJD is that old bracelet that we used to have, and we still say that around our house. Like, what would Jesus do? You know, like, what would Jesus do in this situation? And, or, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as her saying, shut your trap, right? Like, listen, people are watching your behaviors, your attitudes, the things you say, your kids are watching, your friends are watching, your coworkers are watching, the people that you surround yourself with, they're watching on the sidelines with you know, our sons and our, our sports, the people there, they're watching us. And listen, and the things that I'm saying, the way that I'm living my life, am I pointing people to Jesus or am I pointing them away? Am I living life in a positive light and speaking the truth in love? Or am I living in a way that is gossiping and condescending and pushing people away? Like, what am I doing in my life to point people to Jesus? You see, we are called to be conduits, to be direct lines into the God of heaven and of earth. And the question is, how are we living our lives to point people 
that way. You know, this has been a tough year. And the truth is, there's going to be more tough years to come. But we have really great power as followers of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. We have the ability to say, look, in the midst of difficulty in a negative situation, I'm going to say that my God is in control. That doesn't mean that I just live like, oh yeah, blind faith. Like, oh, I'm not going to confront all of the issues or the things that are being said. I'm not going to say things uh, that stand up for the truth. But I hope that it's God's truth and not your truth. But I'm also going to do it seasoned with love. Because listen, if we don't have love, we don't have anything. We've lost already. No matter what we say, if we're not communicating the truth in love, we've lost. You know, Jesus does this all throughout Matthew chapter 5. And I love this. He took the Old Testament law. And you see, what he did is he was speaking to people who knew religion. They knew the law. They knew the Ten Commandments. They knew the Old Testament law. And what Jesus said, he said, listen, there's the law, and there's the rules, and there's guidelines, but there's also the heart. There's the heart behind those things. And so when Jesus said to them, don't murder, yes, the law says don't murder in, in verse 21, says the law says don't murder, but he also says that if you say anything negative, right, or if you get angry at your brother, you've already committed murder. See, so it's not just the act of murder, it's what's in your heart and the way that you speak to your brother. We see it in verse 27, the law says don't commit adultery, but Jesus says that if you've already looked lustfully at someone with your eyes, you've broken the law. You see, it's not just the rules and the guidelines, it's the heart behind it. It's the heart behind it. Let's see how Jesus really concludes chapter 5. And he says this in, in verse 43. He says, you've heard that the law says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Notice how love your neighbor is in quotes there. <laughs> and hate your enemy is not. But I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of the Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both, listen, to both the evil and the good, that's called common grace. Because God is a good God, because he is a gracious God, he provides for everyone. And he says, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Notice how that's not in quotes. You want to know it's not in quotes? Because that's not a part of the law. That's not a part of the law. It was never God's intention for us to hate people. And Jesus clarifies it even more. He says, instead, love your enemies. Isn't that the hardest thing to do? It's hard. When people do me wrong, the last thing that I want to do is go give them, you know, love. <laughs> it's difficult. But instead he says, pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray that God would get attention. Now, don't pray that God would hurt them. That's not a good prayer. But pray that God would show you love and forgiveness and so Jesus here is, he's challenging this opposition. Yeah, you would say love your neighbor, but the opposite of that is hate your neighbor. But he's saying it's not about that. Love means that you, you forgive even when not asked for forgiveness. Love means that you, you show grace even when you're being persecuted. Love means that when people drive you nuts or when they're difficult, when they make you mad, you show them love. The difficult thing to do, God says, do it. And he says, the more that you do it, the easier it will become. And so this, the, the clear understanding is, how does a person submit to God's ideals and his kingdom? Well, we do it by doing life submitted to God in love, with forgiveness and without bitterness, with positivity and not negativity. You know, I think Christians, we, we need to do a better job at loving our neighbor. <laughs> we do. 
I think naturally we have the, the tendency to, to always be negative and to, to push our ideals and we push people away. What we need to do is we need to be invitational. Listen, this doesn't mean, again, that you shouldn't stand up for what's right. It doesn't mean that you just blindly jump into the way the world is doing things or you jump into sin and you engage in sin or any of those things. But what it means is it means that in the middle of those things that you can still love people. You can still stand up for the truth. Your life can be different. Young person in high school... I remember in high school how I, I used to always just go with what was easy. But if you stand up for what is true, you can be a world changer. And people will see, man, what they have is different. What they have it can be contagious. And the way that we act can either point people to Jesus or can point people away. And I believe that God wants us to do everything in love, pointing people to him. So Jesus wants us to live in a way that honors him. But I think there's direct value for us, too. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, living for God's kingdom, when we begin to live this way, we begin to, to, to lose anxiety and fear. We begin to live in a way that is exactly the way that God intended our world to be. We should live different, yes. We should point people to Jesus, yes. But we need to understand that for us, when we live this way, it releases us from anxiety and fear and doubt and worry and anger and all of these things. Jesus said this, Matthew 6. So don't worry. Wish we could just stop there. Don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or drink or wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. If you're a, a, a parent in here, you know exactly what your children need, don't you? And you, you take care of them. You provide for them. You give for them. And when you see them making bad decisions, you say, man, I, I just want to help you. I, I want you to know that you could go this way and it will be so much better. Just please trust me. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, God, if, if you love your children, think how much more your heavenly Father loves you and the good gifts that he gives you and the direction that he gives you. And what he's saying is, don't worry. I've got this. Everything is under control. I just had a conversation with uh, a guy who attends our Leighton campus. I saw him at a football game. He had just lost his job. And, and, you know, when someone loses their job, it's difficult, right? And he's, like, all happy. He's like, yeah, I lost my job. I'm like, What? You lost your job? You're smiling? He said, you know what? God already knows. He said, my deci the decision that I make, the choice that I make will affect me and it will affect my family. I'm going to trust that God is in control. He said, I'm going I'm to get on first thing Monday and I'm going to start looking for jobs. And I said, dude, you, you, that's, that is the, the attitude to have. Because you know what? The truth is God is in control. You know, every breath that you take is a gift from God. <laughs> Every moment of our day, every situation, every circumstance God uses for our good, like God is in control. The one who created heaven and earth, he's got this. The question is, will you be willing to submit and trust? Because if you don't, the result of that is fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, the playing field of the enemy, isolation, all of those things. But when you begin to say, God, even in the midst of a difficult time, don't lie to God. God knows it's hard. But when you submit and say, God, you're in control, I trust you, I believe in you, I want to follow you, God, do what you need to do in me, I release this to you, and then you take steps moving forward to say, God, I'm going to be proactive in looking for a new job, God, I'm going to be proactive in this relationship, whatever it might be, God says, that's the heart, that's the attitude. And when you begin to do that, you begin to trust me, I'm in control. And the result of that is losing fear, anxiety, worry, and doubt. Jesus goes right back to the kingdom mentality, we'll end with this. He says, the best way to do this is this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. 
live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He says when our, our thoughts are focused on God, when we live to honor him, when we find out what pleases him in his word, and we do those things, when we live to, to, you know, to honor God with our lives, the Bible says we will have everything that we need. So that's the key to life on the bright side. We stay positive by seeking God's kingdom first, not our own. As we go through life, we still are faithful, we're diligent with what God's given us, but we trust that he is in control. So let me ask you, when you think about this, and when we think about the way you live your life, do you see life on, in the negative or in the positive? Are you a part of the solution or are you a part of the problem? Are you cultivating negativity or are you building up and injecting positivity into your life and into your family? And then I would say, if you're a Christian in this room today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have God. You have God on your side. You belong to him. You are a part of his kingdom. He knows your days. They're numbered. He knows every moment. My question is, would you live and submit to him in all things? If you're here today and you've never done that, you're kind of aimlessly going along, and you're struggling, and you're here maybe today seeking, we would love to share with you how you can make the God of heaven and of earth your savior so that you can have a personal relationship with him. So the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And I hope that you wouldn't go without uh, experiencing that today. Let's pray. Father, I know that in the midst of difficult and negative times, it's hard. It's hard to be faithful. It's hard to stay true and to trust you in the midst of those situations. God, in a room of this size, there are so many difficult things that are represented. I pray, Lord, for each one of them today, that your Holy Spirit would show them your love in a new powerful way. For the Christ followers in this room, God, show them that you're there, that you're a part of it, that you're in control, and that you want them to trust and to believe in you in all things. For those in this room today that are experiencing without you, God, put a longing on their heart to want to know more about you, Lord Jesus, and would the power of your spirit get their attention today. In your name we pray, amen.